Thanks again for joining us here at the St. John's campus of Redeemer Church. If you haven't done so already, we would love for you to subscribe to our content here on the Redeemer podcast. And a great way for you to stay connected throughout the week and everywhere you go is with the Redeemer app. It's free and you can download it wherever you get your apps from. Just search for DeWitt Redeemer Church. Right now, let's go to this week's message from Pastor Tim Trometer. Even though they failed at their first attempt at returning the heart of Tafiti, Maui and Moana make one final attempt. As Maui battles Taka, the lava demon, Moana approaches the island of Tafiti. When Moana gets across the top of the ridgeline and sees that the island is gone, she realizes that things are not what they seem. Instead of merely returning the heart, Tafiti is not there. And, and in place where she should be, is there's a hole of the shape of her body. Moana realizes that Taka is, in fact, Tafiti. Now, without her heart, Tafiti is broken and has forgotten who she is. Is this much different from our lives? We've all experienced hurt and pain and brokenness in our lives and in our church. The thing about brokenness, pain, struggles, and the like is that the more we encounter them, the more we, we see ourselves change. And these trials of life tend to, tend to have two outcomes. They're, they either build us up or they break us down. See, James 1, 2 and through 4 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, and when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Finding joy in trouble, it seems strange. But those of us who have endured difficulties in life know the personal growth that have, have been required from our lives. Recently, I spoke with a regular worshiper here in the St. John's campus who shared his excitement about the organizations he promotes throughout the community. However, when it came to church and talking about faith and inviting people to worship, his, his passion was gone. What he shared is something I believe is a familiar feeling. You know, we, we can be commit, committed to this place and yet find it hard to become passionate about sharing our faith. And when that happens, Acts 1.8, our foundational verse here, to, to be witnesses, Jesus' words to be witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You know, it feels more like a burden than a blessing. And the question is, why? And the answer lies in the amount of time we have lived without our heart, without that which gives us life, what makes us who we are. The history of the early church teaches us many things about what it means to be a faith community of Christ. While gathering together as the community of believers is an essential part of being the body of Christ, it is not the only component of our lives lived together. And one of the things that kept the early church vibrantly moving forward continually was actively living out God's mission for the church. People saw the Holy Spirit working in the lives of people around them daily. Imagine, however, if the early church stopped seeing the Holy Spirit transforming lives. What would happen to the passion and excitement of the Christ followers if people one day just stopped seeing lives transformed by the work of God? Well, 
I think it's easy to imagine. The passion would drop off, the mission would slow, the work would stall out, and the, and the church would decline and eventually die. Throughout history, when a church disengages from God's mission in the world, the sharing of the good news of Jesus Christ, the, the church cuts off its lifeline to the creator of all things. The longer a church is disengaged from God's mission, the more estranged from God's purpose they become. And the farther a church drifts, the fewer lives God can transform. As God's transformative power becomes less and less visible in the church, can, can anyone be blamed for not becoming, being excited or passionate? No, of course not. Stephen Covey once said, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Our main thing is to connect people with the love and life of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. It's why we exist. I repeat this every time I stand before you because if we forget our main thing, what is essential, then we will stop living out God's purpose for this place. God has a plan and a mission for us to fulfill here in St. John's, and it's not merely to exist but to thrive and to build a little piece of his kingdom here on earth. By developing a community of faith that is devoted to the spiritual growth of churched and unchurched people alike, we create a space that begins to look like the kingdom of God, a place where everyone is welcomed at his table. There is healing to be done and growth, and we can accomplish both at the same time by doing two things. First, we must become a church for everyone. And second, we must think and act like missionaries. Now, let's take a look at each of these. We begin today in Acts 10. Last week, Justin shared Peter's experience with Cornelius. And at the end of that gathering, Peter preaches a powerful message. And then we find this. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too, for they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, Can anyone object to their being baptized, now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. So our first point today is that we must become a church for everyone. And so what does it mean to become a church for everyone? For Peter, it meant letting the Gentiles into the community, which was a big deal. Now, one or two Gentiles becoming followers of Christ, those could be written off as exceptions. But this passage records that the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. That's dozens of Gentiles at Cornelius's house. This is a tremendous statement that impacts our lives today. The word Gentile means not Jewish, meaning that the Holy Spirit was moving in the hearts of non-Jews. And this changes everything as God now opens the door of His grace to all people. Because of this event, it is now possible to become a Christ follower without being a Jew first. You see, this is a defining moment of God's grace impacting us today. Up until this point, the good news of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, was only for Jewish people. Jesus was the King of the Jews, not the Savior of the Gentiles. But now, through God's grace, Christianity became a world religion. And as such, everyone is welcome in this church. 
Paul explained it this way in Galatians 3.28. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Because of this divine interaction, it is now possible for us to be a part of God's salvation story. Because we, we're, we are the Gentiles. We didn't convert to Judaism first and then become Christians. This means that the saving grace of Jesus Christ is for everyone. Still, not everyone was excited about this change. Go figure. People not being excited about changes in church policy. Well, the Jews in the Jerusalem, when they heard what was going on in Caesarea, they got upset. Acts 11, 1 and 2 says, Soon the news reached the apostles and other believers in Judea that the Gentiles had received the word of God. But when Peter arrived back in Jerusalem, the Jewish believers criticized him. So when Peter tells his critics in Jerusalem what happened in Cornelius' house and how the Holy Spirit moved in the Gentiles' hearts and that they responded to it, Acts 11.18 reports, When the others heard this, they stopped objecting and began praising God. They said, we can see that God has also given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting of their sins and receiving eternal life. The critics changed their response. Instead of criticizing, they celebrated what God was doing with the outsiders. We may find ourselves in the same situation here too. There may be some who don't like the new and different direction or people who God brings through our doors. Some may not like the chaos and noise that children and young families bring or the questions and skepticism brought forth by a new believer. But that's their problem to figure out, not ours. Our responsibility is to be faithful to the calling, to our calling to build relationships with the churched, unchurched, de-churched, non-churched, nuns and duns in our community. If our critics are Christian, they will do as the believers in Jerusalem did, and they're going to rejoice at God's work. So let me be abundantly clear. Everyone is welcome in this church. Just as God's grace is extended to everyone, so too our doors are open to everyone. God created humankind and humankind created borders. The kingdom of God has no boundaries, no limits, no fences, no divisions between peoples. When we live in Christ, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. We are all one in Christ Jesus. And when we build this kind of inclusive community, we experience a piece of God's kingdom. We must be a church for everyone. The second thing we must do is we must think and act like missionaries. And the Apostle Paul shows us how to do that. One of Paul's journeys took him to Athens, where he taught before the council of city elders. And this is what he said in Acts 17. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines. And one of your altars had this inscription on it, To an unknown God. This God, whom you worship without knowing, is the one I'm telling you about. We must think and act like missionaries. Before Paul taught the city elders about Jesus, he took the time to learn the culture. He looked for ways to connect the message of Christ 
and his personal experience with Jesus, with the language and culture of the people of Athens. He looked for places where God was already at work and connected the story of God that they knew but didn't necessarily articulate correctly with the missing piece of Jesus. Paul used the statue dedicated to the unknown God the Athenians worshipped. True or false? God is at work in people's lives whether they know it or not. I agree. I say true. But just because a person doesn't fully understand God's presence in their life doesn't mean that God is not present and working. We call this God's pervenient grace, the grace of God that is at work in our lives before we even know or recognize it. Just because we don't perceive it doesn't mean it's not there. What Paul did in Athens was connect the dots between the way God was working in people's lives already and give a name to the reality that they were already walking in. Paul was saying, you know this God that I'm talking about. You don't have a name for him. Let me explain this God that you already know. Great missionaries throughout history have modeled the same skill to help people come to realize not a new God, but the one God who has been there the whole time. A classic example is St. Patrick. St. Patrick used the familiar icon of the three-leafed clover when he was a missionary in Ireland um, with the clover to explain and conceptualize the relationship of the Trinity. Like the early apostles and missionaries throughout history, we too must begin to think and act, to speak and interact like backyard missionaries. We must learn about the culture and communicate in the same way as the people we are called to reach. This is precisely the opposite of a traditional church model that says, come and join us and learn the way we do things. Instead, it means we go out and learn people and take our story of Christ with us. Practically, it means changes that may be the straw that breaks the camel's back, or maybe Changes that seem so necessary, no one will even care. It means changing the language so that the next generation can understand what is happening in different places. Calling this space the worship center instead of a sanctuary. The stage instead of a chancel. It means changing from permanent name tags to throwaway tags, and I'll tell you why. Years ago, a permanent laminated name tag was something people desired when they came to a church for the first time. They provided a way for individuals to connect and belong. But when today's generation sees permanent name tags, it tells them that they don't belong, that they are not part of the church. Will the pendulum swing back again in a few years? Who knows? If it does, will we switch back again? Probably. It's a name tag, and in the grand scheme of things, we must ask ourselves, are they more important than our mission to connect people with the love and life of Jesus Christ? But we do still need them, which is why on Communion Sundays, the first Sunday of the month, a name tag station will be, will be set up, and everyone will be asked to wear a name tag so that we can not only learn each other's names, but that we can, so that we can serve communion, the sacrament of communion, to each person by name. And not only connect with each person during the sacrament, but connect with each other in fellowship each month. Thinking and acting like missionaries is why we are launching a new worship service and Christian education programming this fall. It's not 
to fill the seats. We are starting a new thing to reach new people speaking the language of our community, using the local dialect and how we speak as a church and even worship. That is why it is so essential that we remain focused on launching our new worship service in a way that connects with our culture. That is why our children's programming must be vital and vibrant because parents make decisions today based on their children's preferences or by what's best for their growth and development. And you don't have to like that. You don't have to agree with it. But that does not make it not the reality that we live in today. This is why we must remain focused on connecting to the community through events like the farmer's market. And it's why I can't be the only one to sign up as the lead volunteer at the farmer's market. There has to be someone else in this church who has a burning passion like I do to see God's grow, God grow this place in extraordinary ways. Being a backyard missionary isn't easy. I get it. It means adapting, changing, and connecting through the culture. It means making sacrifices now for the sake of those who are not here yet. It means making changes that everyone may not agree with or understand at the moment and working through the personal grief that they bring before God brings new people. Because every change we make, every transition comes with a price. There is a sacrifice that is made. There is healing that must happen amidst the growth. And when that happens, we are better able to live out our mission to connect people with the love and life of Jesus Christ without reservation, bitterness, or resentment. You see, we build the church today for the community of faith that God is calling us to be tomorrow. To do that, we must take our guidance from Paul, learn the culture, adapt our presentation using the local language and customs, connecting our story with God to the places where God is already at work in the community. God was here before we were. He has never left us, never abandoned us, and he never will. Let's pray. Lord, give us the ability to see you in all things. For all the hurt, brokenness, fear and frustration of all the changes, transitions, and movement into your calling. We ask for your peace to fall upon our hearts. Heal us, Lord, from the inside out. We desire to be your church, a place where all people can experience your grace. Give us the courage and fortitude to stay the course, to see your work done in this place. We know that there may be more changes to come for us, but we rest in the knowledge that you are never changing, your love is never ending, and that you are present with us through it all. Lord, we lift our hearts, this place, this community, to your love and care. It's in the name of Jesus, your Son, and our Savior that we pray. And everyone said, Amen.